Welcome to War Dove Podcast. Warring Dove International is a kingdom organization focused on building local and global partnerships, equipping ministry leaders, and raising up a company of warriors who, like a dove, have eyes to pursue one thing, the king. Thank you for tuning in today as our founder, Lisa McFarland, shares her message. Because tonight we're going to talk about an anointing of the king. The king is in the field. The king is in the heavens, and he's pouring out an anointing to be a king and to be a priest. Why do we even need to be anointed, and what does that mean? So if you've not been here, you need to be anointed. Jesus says in John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. Even you can't even pray without his help because it's the spirit that helps us make intercession and tells us what to pray for as we partner. Amen. Jesus was anointed. In Luke 3, verse 22, it says that Jesus went down to the Jordan River, right, to mikvah or to be baptized, to break off the old and step into the new like we just did with the trumpet. And that day they would go and step into the water and they would go down in one way, recommit themselves to God and step out on the water a different way, a different person. And we just did that with the sound of the trumpet. When this happened... When this happened and he was fulfilling covenant and he was walking in obedience, what happened is the heavens opened over his life and the anointing that came from the father, like the shape of a dove, descended on him and he began to be anointed. Before he was anointed, nothing was happening. Jesus did no miracles. He didn't raise the dead. You know, he wasn't prophesying. We don't really know much about Jesus. But after the anointing came on him, there was a transition and and something happened on Jesus and in Jesus. That from that day forward, he was anointed. We talked about in Judges chapter 6, when the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, the Bible says, and the Spirit of the Lord came on him. And then he began to do mighty things. In the Old Testament, the anointing is what it would say, when the Spirit of the Lord came on them, or the Spirit of the Lord came. In the New Testament, we see them that the, it says the anointing was present. There was anointing present to heal. They perceived that the anointing was there, or Jesus perceived or knew that virtue or anointing had gone out of him when he healed the woman as, as she touched his garments. Right? You need to be anointed, right? And you don't have this handout, and I'm doing a quick review. But Jesus was anointed. If Jesus was anointed, how much more should we be anointed? But Jesus wasn't just anointed on the outside. He was the anointing. Because Jesus Christ means Jesus the anointed one. You know? So I want you to think about this. If Jesus was the anointing and Jesus is inside of you, how much access to anointing do you have as a believer? Right? If he was the anointed. Acts 10.38, Paul is preaching to Cornelius and he says how God anointed Jesus. How God the Father anointed Jesus. If Jesus was to be anointed or demonstrated to us uh, that he had to be anointed and what would happen when that anointing came on a man or a woman, we, we must recognize that we need an anointing. There's some things in your life that are stuck and they're not moving. There's some places of captivity or places you've been trying to break out or move in freedom. And you know why you're not? Because there's the anointing. Is not there. You haven't applied the anointed one to that area, to that, to that need, to that desire, to that place where you need power to come. Right? You need this anointing. His name is Jesus. Right? You need to have an anointing in you. 
And if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, it needs to start right there because Jesus is the anointing. And when you ask for forgiveness of your sins and you ask him to come inside of you, the anointing comes in with him. And that anointing will break the yoke in your life. It will bring peace to you. He will fill you up with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit anoints us and seals us. It sets us apart, right? The last two or three weeks, we've been preaching nonstop about the anointing. Because this is a season of increase. It is a season to be anointed. Amen? Zechariah says, by, not by my might, not by my power, but by your spirit. Right? In, in Jeremiah 17, 5, it says that you're cursed if you trust in mankind. If you don't, you think you need the anointing, you say, no, that's okay, I'm good, I got this, I don't really need Jesus, I'm alright. The Bible says that you come under a curse, because you're basically telling God, I don't need you, I don't want you, you know, I can get along by myself. But we all know that's not true. And then in Amos 6, 8, it says this. God says about the children of Israel, I hate it when you say that by your own strength you did this. Right? We talked about the spirit of poverty or a mindset of poverty that will cause me to separate myself from the anointing. And I don't have time to teach on that tonight. You need to go back. But if, when I have a spirit of poverty, like the man in the parable of the talents, I will see God as mean and hard. So I won't come to him and ask him for help. I'll be afraid of him. I will hide from him. That's the opposite of coming to God and humbling myself and praying and saying, I need you. When the anointing can flow and give me power, power to overcome, power to prophesy, right? Power to become, right? Romans chapter 1 says to those who received him, who? Jesus, the anointed one, Jesus Christ. That means Jesus, the anointed one. To those that received him, he gave them power to become the sons of God. You can't even become like God without the anointing. It's the anointing that comes that shapes you and forms you. You know, in in Judges chapter 6, when I was talking about Gideon, when it says the Spirit of the Lord came on him, literally it means the anointing comes down like a cloud, wraps around you, and you wear it like a garment. You see the same thing when the disciples were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. It said that they saw him with Moses and Elijah, and suddenly the cloud came on them, and they were standing in the cloud of God's glory. They were clothed with a a part, a, a manifest, tangible presence of God. As, as his glory was surrounding them. And that's what happens when the anointing comes in the room. That's what happens when you get filled with the Holy Spirit and the anointing comes inside. That's what happens when someone lays their hands on you and prays with a prayer of faith or you're ordained and set aside by God as you're anointed for a holy purpose. That anointing comes on you. In the Old Testament days, they would pour it on their head so it would go down their hair and get onto their clothes. And the priests would pass those clothes onto their children. The anointing got stronger every generation. It was progressive. It was comprehensive. You know, it it, it was from strength to strength and glory to glory. I should be more anointed this year than I was last year. I should know more about the anointed one this year than I did last year. Than the last revival, the last move of God. Because God is progressive. He's moving, right? We're not going to go back to Azusa Street. We're not going to go back to Topeka. 
Are you kidding me? No. We're going to move forward into a, a greater anointing, a greater dimension. Jesus said it this way. You think I'm anointed? I am. But you're going to do greater works than me. Yeah. Because my anointing is going to increase. Yeah. I, I, the anointing was on me, and now I put it on all of you. That's multiplication. Yeah. See the same picture when Moses, his father-in-law says, what you're doing is too great. You need to pray and anoint some men and and put some of your spirit on them because the work is too great. And that's what Jesus did. When he sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, he put some of his anointing on you and in you, on you, around you. (laughs) John 5, 30 says this. Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own. I can't do anything without the anointing. I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. Without the anointing, I can't see. I can't hear. I can't do. I can't speak. It's the anointing in my life that gives me the power. Remember, we talked about the anointing comes on your life to empower you to do something that God's asked you to do. That without God, there is no way, Jose, you are going to be able to do it. Otherwise, you would get all of the glory. And God is not going to share his glory with anyone. It's not going to be by your might or your power. It's going to be by his spirit, by his anointing that comes on you. Amen? Amen. If you think that I'm sitting up here today because of my own power strength, you're crazy. It's because of the anointing of God on my life. The anointing. Examples of people that were anointed. You know, Gideon was anointed. He was a chicken liver hiding. And God said, you're going to become a mighty man. You're going to fight and save, save your nation. He's like, me? But when the anointing comes on, sometimes we think that the anointing is that person and we mistake the anointing for the person. No. The anointing is Jesus. They're wearing Jesus. Jesus has invaded them inside and is pushing them out of the way. It's Jesus that you're seeing. It's not them. Amen? And when the anointing comes, it gives you power to become a witness. It gives you the power to become a son. You cannot be a son of God without the anointing. The anointing comes to shape you, to frame you. And you're not what you're going to be before the anointing comes on you. It's not like God looks around and says, hey, who can I use? Well, they look like they've got it all together. Well, hey, they look pretty smart. Hey, they look pretty good. No. Remember Samuel said that about two guys that weren't good. They look pretty good. And God said, no, not them. I have not chosen them. You look on the outwards, but I look on the inside. I have not chosen them. God comes and looks for somebody who has a heart like them. And then the anointing comes on you and makes you like him. Did you hear me? God looks in the inside to find a heart that's like his. And then the anointing comes and makes you like him. You know, when I, before I couldn't speak, I had a stuttering problem. I had some issues in my life. I needed healing in my body. I couldn't speak Spanish. I couldn't type. I was afraid of flying, afraid of the dark. But the anointing comes and conforms you into the image of the Son of Man. You are filled with the Spirit of the living God, and that anointing breaks every yoke. That anointing shapes you. It separates you to God, and it separates you from people. 
right? It will bring resources to you and it'll cause resources to go away from you. It's amazing. In John chapter 7, Jesus, who was the anointed one, is preaching under the anointing with the power of God that is on him. And it says, and there was a great controversy or division that arose because of him. So the anointing is not always pleasant, but it's awesome. So, you know, I remember even in school when there are people that are good athletes, their talent will separate them. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? People that are smart, they they will look and find them and they'll separate them out. When God, you allow God's anointing to come on you and begin to operate and be demonstrated your life, God will separate you out. People do it in the world. Why do we get angry when God does it? Yeah. Examples of being anointed. 1 John 2.27 The anointing which you received from him abides in you. You received an anointing when you received the Holy Spirit. It's not that you have to wait for an anointing. There's all kinds of anointings. There's an anointing of favor. There's an anointing of glory. There's an anointing of healing. There's there's an anointing to preach the gospel. There's an anointing to bring comfort, right? There's an anointing to excel. There's anointing to create and, and so forth, so forth, so forth, so forth. But the anointing, which is Jesus, manifests through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You have received that. It is on the inside of you. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, and if you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you up there is an anointing that abides in you abide doesn't mean visit like oh hey he loves me he loves me not he loves me he no abide is like they set up shop and they're living in there permanently got their name on the lease and i'm here to stay that kind of anointing it doesn't come and go right revivals come and go anointing does not come and go it abides. It's living there. I'm the house. And he's the guest. He's the one who's living inside permanently. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He said, I will give you a gift, a comforter. And, I, and, and he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He's abiding. Isaiah 59 is an Old Testament passage in 16. It says that God will come upon you. Right? John 15, 7. Again, this is review. So you're like, this is review for us. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask. And he goes on, and I will give it to you. Right? If my words abide in you. Jesus was the word. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Right? And it talks about him being the word, being the light, being the life. And so when we're talking about the anointing, we are talking about the word. We are talking about Jesus. You can't separate Jesus from the anointing from the word. When I begin to read this word, the anointing is going to increase in my life. How do I get the anointing to increase? I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and get the anointing in me named Jesus. But if I put the words in me and those words are living in me and I've written them on my heart that I won't sin against him and, and, I, and, I, and I, if I love him, I will keep his commandments. The anointing, which is Jesus, manifesting through the word that's in me will increase the anointing in my life. Repeat, because you didn't get all that, did you? If I want the anointing, I have to receive the anointing named Jesus inside of me. 
right? Then the anointing's in there. If I want it to increase or I want uh, different kinds of anointing, one of the ways to increase that anointing is to hide God's word in my heart that I don't sin against him. It's to have his word written on the tablets of my heart because his, his word, he is the word. And as I put the word in me, I'm putting more Jesus in me. And the anointing will increase. Benny Hinn says it this way. The word of God is, him, is God himself. And the anointing is the overflow of Christ in your life. Ooh. Right? The word of God is God himself. That's Jesus. The anointing is the overflow of Christ himself. Right? It's not just the buzz and the touchy-feely, ooh, ah. No, it's the word made flesh that dwelt among us and in us. He's abiding in me. And as the word is in me, the anointing will increase and they'll start to overflow and people will recognize the anointing coming out of you. You know, it's like a ripe olive and you squeeze it and oil comes out of it and gets on you. People will get around you and they barely squeeze you or touch you. And the oil, Christ will start oozing out of you. He'll leak out of you because of the anointing. It comes as we spend more time with God. When we are anointed, you know what happens? Luke 5.17 says that power was present to heal. In Mark chapter 6.13, Jesus sends them out to anoint the sick with oil and heal them. Acts 14.9, Paul is preaching. And as he's preaching and he's speaking the word, which is the anointing. Right? Because it's the gospel or the word that is the power for salvation. You need anointing. You need power. You need the word in you and you need Jesus to fill you up. You need a baptism of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, they didn't get it once. It says, and they were continually filled. They, they were filled first and they spoke in tongues. They were filled again with boldness. Later on, they're, they're filled with love. And, and, and they're filled with a sense of giving. And they're filled with a sense of community. You need the anointing for all kinds of things. It can't be a one-time, one-stop, drop-and-shop thing. It's got to be continual. A continual feeling, right? Where he's coming in and you're pouring out. He's coming in, you're pouring out. He's coming in, you're pouring out, right? You're pouring out. The anointing's being squeezed out of you. In Acts, uh, in that verse where Paul says, Paul's preaching in Acts 14, 9, he, he sees a man and he sees that faith is present. And he says, stand up and the man gets healed. Because the anointing is there. Acts 8, 18. Peter and John were, were praying. There was a revival breaking out. People were receiving Jesus. But they hadn't received the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And they laid their hands on them. And they began to receive Holy Spirit. You need to receive Holy Spirit. Amen. It's, not, it's great to receive him as your Savior. But you're going to need power to walk it out. You need to be filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit. I feel like I can't believe I have to tell spirit-filled people that they have to be filled with the Spirit. People that talk in tongues that I have to teach about the anointing. But we have become, you know, it's kind of like a, a microwave generation so nobody knows how to bake bread. Nobody knows how to, how to make gravy anymore. Nobody has to cook anything. You have to buy it in a package and pop it in the microwave. We've become microwave charismatics. We don't know how to make the bread anymore. We don't know how to get the anointing anymore. We just go to a conference and somebody pops up with a thing and puts the microwave on him. 
And there you go. You got a little bit of anointing. But it's not the same. It's not the same as homegrown, home-cooked, hot, fresh, out of the oven. Oh, no, it is not the same. That's the kind of anointing I want. I want it straight from the oven. Anointed. To be anointed. What stops the flow of the anointing? Because I'm getting ready to talk about the, the anointing of the lion here in a minute. And again, I'm revealing on purpose. If you come to this church, I will say it over and over and over and over and over. Because I want you to get it. Amen? And I actually have handouts. So if you're a visitor, talk to somebody on staff and they'll get you some handouts. What stops the flow? Because the anointing is here. What stops it from moving in me? Right? One is unbelief. Right? In Matthew 13, Jesus goes to his own hometown. And they're like, dude, we know you. You aren't nothing. You grew up with us. And they didn't believe that God could use him. Right? They didn't believe God could come to Nazareth. You know, God can't come to a small town, of course. It has to be a megachurch, right? No revival started in megachurches. They all started in little ones, by the way. Usually in prayer meetings. Not in conferences. Unbelief. He could do no miracles there because of unbelief. That's one thing. Two is ignorance. Sometimes we don't know that the, that the anointing, we don't know what it is. We don't know what it's for. We don't even know we can ask. We don't even know, hey, you know, I, I, I was embarrassed or I've been moving in a spirit of poverty and I've been rejecting the anointing because I'm afraid. I don't want people to know, you know, and we think that God is going to be embarrassed of us or something. Right? Ignorance. Like the woman at the well. Where Jesus' sister in John 10, uh, 4.10. If you knew the gift of God, if you knew what kind of anointing was flowing here, girlfriend, you would ask me to get you some water. Right? If you knew the gift, if you knew the anointing that I had flowing in me and that I feel right now. Right? You would ask me. And she was like, what, what are you talking about? Sometimes it's ignorance. We just don't know. We don't know. And that can stop the flow. Sometimes it's not time. In John 7, 32, Jesus talks about the spirit had not been given yet. Sometimes we ask God. We ask him for things, but maybe we're not mature enough to handle it yet. Right? I've had people pray for me. Ask me to pray for them all the time. Can you pray for me that I go to the third heaven? And I always pray for them. God, I pray that they will be dead enough that they don't die. And they have an encounter that will change their life. And they always go, what does that mean? I go, exactly. It's a, you know, some things are time released. When you're mature, it will happen. Even in Mark chapter 4, it says that it's the harvest that determines. It's the crop or and it's the maturity of the crop that, dis, that determines the time of the harvest. Sometimes we're not mature enough yet. Sometimes it God it is not time yet and God is moving in a certain way and you have to wait on him. Imagine that, that you're not God and you can't set your own schedule, right? And sometimes it's not asking. In James 4, 3, he says, you do not ask. He says, or you do ask, but you ask and you have a selfish motive. It's just all about you. You know what? The kingdom cannot be about you. Sometimes we think it's about the kingdom, but it's not. Or it's about our kingdom, not the kingdom. Right? When it's about the kingdom and you ask, because he says, anything you ask in my name, I will do it. But if you're asking in your own name for your own glory, your own selfish purposes, God doesn't have to answer that because that's not his name. That's not his kingdom. 
Sometimes we don't ask because we don't know to ask. We just think if God wants it, he'll just jump on me and fall on me, right? He might. Sometimes he does. Sometimes. But, but God, God, everything in the kingdom is sound activated. You have to come into agreement with it. Holy Spirit's not going to jump on you and just, ah, right? Grab you and throw you down. Well, mostly, usually not. But, you know, he only comes and does that because down deep inside, you know that you wanted God, but you were too afraid to ask. Thank you so much for listening to Warring Dove International's podcast. To find out more about our ministry and how you can partner with us, please visit our website at wardoves.com. And if you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to leave a review, subscribe, and share with a friend. We'll see you next time on our next episode.